Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. So we're in this series called Abide. Do you believe this is, I think, week five already? It just, it just floors me how quickly it goes. But we started off talking about the why. Um, and Jesus said, the why I'm teaching these things. While we're looking at this series, we jumped right to the end. And Jesus said, it's because that my joy would be your joy. And I love that. that we have a Savior who wants us to have his joy. Because the world can't give us that kind of joy. And Jesus knows that because I want you to have my joy. So he starts teaching us things in John 15, verses uh, 1 to uh, uh, 17. And then the next week we talked, we went right to the beginning then and said, well, the source, Jesus says, I'm the grapevine. And remember we talked about how source determines substance. You can't become something that you're not receiving. And Jesus is the source, and he is the source of this joy. Remember I told you about the um, Heinz ketchup police? How uh, some restaurants were trying to fake people out by putting cheap ketchup in the Heinz bottles. And when Heinz finds out about that, they send out these guys called the ketchup police. And they, they will find owners or warn them. So you can't do that. You can't put, pretend like you're, you're selling something great and, and faking it out with cheap stuff. And the same, because the source determines uh, substance, it still tastes bad. And it gets our name on it. And so we under, when we receive Christ, we don't receive a false vine, a false source. We find we receive the true vine, he says, and we have that joy. And then we talked about the care, um, how God is the gardener, the vine dresser, the gardener says, um, and how we talked about that Psalm, Psalm 23, the very end, how surely goodness, his goodness and his mercy will follow me all my days. He cares for me and how I shall live in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, Psalm 23. And then we talked about the pruning last week, how God cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce more. And today we're in week five, and get your sermon notes out, and you'll see we are looking at the connection. And the verse for the connection uh, is in verse four. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I'll remain in you. That's the connection. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So if we're going to be fruitful, we need to be connected. And the way that we stay connected to God is through his word, which we're going to focus on today, uh, certainly through prayer, and with the people of his church that we heard in testimony today. We don't want to be severed from the vine. We want to be connected to it. We want to be bearing fruit. And I don't think you'd be here this morning if you didn't. I believe all of you, that that you're here this morning because you want your life to be all that God intends it to be. And I believe you want your life all that God intends it to be, and you know because this is how life is lived best. You know that. And you know that if this is going to be the case for your life, then you need all of God in your life. So he is, we want to be connected to him. We want to receive his, the source, the care, and the joy that he gives us. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. 
He is our shepherd. He is our gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. More than anything, anything, and I, I don't say that without any hesitation, more than anything, we need God in our lives. We need to be connected to him. Uh, the world, you know, we live in, we live in a country that's, I would say, is far less connected to God than it was even 30 years ago when it began ministering. Uh, and pastoring. In fact, just 15 years before that, when I was in high school, I remember, and some of you my age remember this, I stood in my homeroom classroom at school. Every morning, the Lord's Prayer was recited. And over the speakers, we began our day, and we sang, O Canada, and we said the Lord's Prayer. And I remember um, as, a, as a teenager in high school, it was said over the loudspeaker, and I would say it out loud. I, I, don't, I was amazed that I'd, when I think back, that I wasn't intimidated by that. I was the only one in my classroom. I would say it out loud with the prayer. And my teacher one day, his name was Mr. Boyce, uh, Seymour Boyce, and he came up to me and said, are you a, like a believer? I know you, you, you're saying the Lord's Prayer out loud. I go, I am, because so am I. In fact, he was a retired minister, and he would go out and speak at churches and invite me to go along with him and, and sing, and it was, it was such a great a beginning of a great relationship. But the world in which we live in is less connected to God than it was a few years ago, and it's not because God didn't move, but, but we've moved. God did not change, but we did. Um, I remember my very first church, uh, it was a small rural church, and Every, like everybody was there every Sunday. Like You did not miss Sundays. In fact, if you were going to miss a Sunday, you would call up and say, I'm, I'm away on holidays or I'm sick because we would worry about you if you didn't show up. It was that kind of a, kind of a church. It was, and, and I remember reading back then, about 25 years ago, about how a day would come when people would consider regular church attendance some, uh, being, I might go once a month or twice a month. And I remember being so, I said, no way that's going to happen. No way could that ever happen. But we live in a world where there's so much distraction now and pulling us away, choosing, um, encouraging us to choose other things instead of being here and hearing his word and worshiping and, and, and together. And recently I was, I was sharing with someone, I'm saying this because regarding their faith, and they basically stopped attending church. And they asked me, do I have to go to church? And I said, you don't have to go to church. But I'm concerned that you don't want to go to church. Like I, I said, I don't, I'm not here because I have to. This doesn't save me, but I want to be here. I want to say thank you. I need, I need the, the, the village. I need the, the church. I need the, the people. I need to come together, as the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the return is drawing near. And it is drawing near. It's coming closer. We need to be ready. We need to be connected. Uh, William Carey, you, you probably know his name if you um, are involved in missions. He was born in 1761. Uh, he's been called the father of modern-day missions. And Carey once spoke words which caused me to think and reflect regarding my own life. I'm sure you would feel the same way as well. Um, he said this, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And I think that struck me because I want to be successful, but I realized that I could succeed at things that don't really matter. And so let us choose and allow ourselves not to be distracted from things that don't matter in the long run. Let's choose to be faithful, but faithful to things that cause us to be fruitful. It's putting life into perspective. It's saying, God, what is it that I really need for my life? I need to count. I want my life to count. I'm connected to you. Speak to me. Speak into me. and Let me know how I can do that. 
So this morning, we're going to focus on connecting to God's word. And so you have your sermon notes out, and we'll look at some points about that, why we must do that. Number one, um, we must personally connect with God's word, for it changes us. It does. It says, the Bible says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Did you know that? It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. His word is different than any other word. It is powerful in our life. And even though it might cut sometimes and hurt for a moment, it's God pruning you so we may become more fruitful, that our lives may stand for what really matters. God wants the best for you, and we believe that. He's going to say, well, I need to talk to you. I need to encourage you. I need to discipline you. I need to just come in and, and prune back a little bit and change you so you'll experience what you say you want to experience and know. Um, I love this verse. The Bible says, you know, we, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, but not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So it's the Bible says, don't just listen. Don't just, you know, got it. But you got to be doers. You got to put it into practice. If you're connecting to God and he's saying, this is what I want you to know, we need to practice this. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how this helped me understand this. I'm going to share this with your parents. You'll appreciate this. So I have three daughters. If I told one of my daughters, go and clean the room, and they came back to me later and said, Dad, I went to my room, I studied my room, and you were right, it's a mess. It needs to be clean. So I went and bought a book on the importance of having a clean room. I read the book and I underlined so much of it, Dad. In fact, Dad, the book was so good and inspiring, I called some of my friends. We formed a small group and studied the book together. In our class, we talked about messy rooms. We studied your words, go clean your room. Such a powerful command. We had word studies on what you said, and I've learned so much. We had prayer meetings for Wesley Rooms to become clean. We had such good fellowship together, and now we even have potluck nights together, and we talk about how important it is to go and clean our bedrooms. So, honey, did you go clean your room? No. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. And that's funny because we could do that with God's word. You know, she wasn't obedient to my command. She was busy. She was reading. She was studying, but never applying the command. That can happen in God's word. We can read it, and he speaks to us. He says, I want you to change in this way. I I want you, because you want to live a great life. I want you to live a great life. You need to change this way, and we study it. We hear it. We talk about it. We debate it. We pray about it, but never allow it to change us. Just like my daughter, we hear, we study, we talk, we try to convince others how concerned we are about it. I think Dallas Willard said something too that really, um, I think is a very insightful observation for us today that we need to be aware of. He said this, we are educated beyond our ability to obey. In other words, we know so much. We know. We know, we know, we learn, we learn, we study, we study, we know what God says, but then we don't obey it. Like we know so much, but our obedience doesn't match what we know. We don't allow it to change us. And maybe the Bible becomes more like an art book we have in our coffee table where we look at it, we think it's beautiful, we discuss it, admire it, give our opinions about it, where it needs to be this manual where we apply what we need to hear to our lives. 
Because God is, is more interested in changing your mind than he is your circumstances. We say, God, keep changing my circumstances. God says, I want to change your mind. That's how you're transformed. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I, this is why I like life groups, because we learn God's word, but we talk about how to apply it. And we, we hold each other accountable to it. It's not just learning, it's applying. So secondly, we must personally connect with God's word for it grows us. It changes us, but it grows us. And Second Peter, First Peter 2, 2, it says, like newborn babies long for pure milk uh, of the word so that it may grow in respect to salvation. Like new lor- newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that it may grow in respect to salvation. Spiritual growth isn't something that's accidental. You, you, need, you must attend to grow. You must make it a choice to grow. You must connect with the word of God, apply it to your life as you would eat food. Uh, Chat, J.B. Chapman, some quotes from oldies and goodies today, but he said this once, all men are little when they are born. The fault is some remain little until they die. If you're reading God's word, if you're connected to his word, you will not remain the same. You will change and you will grow. You will change and you will grow. You will be different than when you first received as a child. You'll become mature because his word's speaking to you and you're applying it to your life. Um, Many people eat three good meals every day and are still discouraged or depressed or despair. And why? Because Jesus is saying, you need another food. It's the word of God from God's mouth. These words of God offer us care and nourishment which lead to life everlasting. So we'll talk about that too. So thirdly, we must personally connect with God's word for it prospers us. So it it changes us, it grows us, and it prospers us. And Isaiah, it says, in the same way with my word, I send it out and it always produces fruit. I underline that. It always produces fruit. When God's word is sent out, it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. We must personally connect with God's word for it sustains us, changes us, grows us, prospers us, sustains us. You remember when we read how Jesus went in the wilderness and was tempted to sin? He'd fasted for 40 days. He was hungry. And knowing this, we read in Matthew 4, 3, how the devil came and said, during that time, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus responded, um, Sorry, I, people do not live on bread alone, but every word of, that comes from the mouth of God. And you'll notice here that Jesus said something that I don't know if we pick up on, but he's saying there are two types of food we need, need to stay in life. Notice that Jesus is saying humanity is designed to operate on two fuels. We know the fuel called physical food, and it gives us the you know, sustained physical part of life. But Jesus says, you know, our souls need food as well. And just as the bodies need food to grow healthy, our soul needs spiritual food, which he says is every word that comes from the mouth of God. That sustains you. That will get you through. Physical food can't sustain our life forever. Only when we apply the word of God can we know everlasting life, which leads to the last point. <clears throat> We must personally connect with God's word for it gives us life. Wow. 
And, and Jesus wants to make this so clear. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. He says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And we have this small opportunity in this world right now to receive that and know that and follow that and trust that. He put you here and now for a reason. You're not here by accident. And God wants you to know that, I want, that you want, he wants to connect with you. He wants to put his word into your mind, into your heart, into your actions because it will give you life. We try to think, oh, we just try to focus on the now and we ignore the forever. And a lot of people are going to get to the end of their now and go, whoops. Was the last week I mentioned that quote? There are two kinds of pain uh, the pain of discipline and the pain of regrets. And the pain of discipline is now disciplining ourselves so we won't regret. A lot of people are going to come to the end of their life and meet God and go, wow, I missed it. I missed it. Man, I don't want that. You don't want that. So recognize connecting with God's word gives you life. So the Bible talks about eating and drinking the word of God. And Jesus refers to being the bread of life. He refers to himself as a living water. Peter speaks about the spiritual milk we saw. And God gives us word, his word so we partake in it to change us, to prosper us, to sustain us, to grow, and that we would never die. Now the term scriptures use to equate eating or feeding the God, word of God is this, meditating. The word, the term scriptures use to equate eating or feeding the word of God is meditating. And that's often a misunderstood word. We know there's some Eastern religions who've picked up on it, but really it's a biblical concept. The idea of filling the mind with the words of truth, that's meditating. And it's important that we begin with the mind because we know, as I just mentioned a little while ago, how we're not to conform to the patterns of this world. It's so easy to do, to be dragged down. But, we, but be transformed by the, what? The renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, is good and pleasing and perfect will. And God's not always interested in changing your circumstances as much as he's in changing your mind. We say, God, change my circumstances. Change my circumstances. God says, no, I want to feed your mind differently. That will change. That will sustain you. That will grow you. That will give you life. And we want to come under his good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. To meditate upon God's living word is not only to read it, it is to memorize it. It is to store it in my mind and in my heart because that's an effect returns how I lacked. Doesn't it say, as you think, so you are in the Bible and Proverbs and the King James Version? As you think it's in your heart, so you are. We got to get the word in our mind. Let it travel to our passion and our desire, our hearts, because that's what will come out. You can't do anything without thinking first. So when Jesus talks about eating bread in Matthew 4 that we saw earlier, it's a metaphor for meditating on the word. He's saying meditate on the word. Eat my words. Meditate on it. We don't eat the words, but we take the word of God into our heart and soul. When we talk about abiding in the vine in this series, it's a metaphor for medita- meditating on God's word. We don't actually go and abide with vines, hang out with a vine, but we're, we're, we're saying we're abiding with Christ. We're taking his word. We're connected. He is the source. We're meditating on his word. We are remunerating on it. 
I love that word because my friend, Pastor uh, Delan out in, in uh, Manitoba, says, you know, he loves that word because he is a farmer. And, you know, cows would go out and eat grass and then chew it and then, you know, put it in their stomach and they bring it up again, they chew their cud, you know that? And re- they, they re- eat it again. So that's like the word of God. You take it in, but you keep bringing it back and reflecting on it and, and taking from it and being nourished by it again and again. We, are re- we enumerate on the word of God. And the Bible talks about how important this is. We constantly, I mean, so many places God talks about how important it is that we meditate on the word of God. I love, this is my favorite one, Joshua 1.8. You know this, he says, keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything, do everything written in it. Then you'll be what? Prosperous and successful. Our life, we want it to count. We want to be in the will of God. We want our life to count for today and tomorrow and forever. And he says, if you want to be prosper in the lives of God and be successful with your life, then you must meditate on it. Because when you think about it, he says, then you'll be careful to do everything written in it. So important. Meditate. Uh, here's another one I love. Psalm, we read this morning, Stu read for us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners take or are in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of the God. Here it is. And who meditates on it day and night. That person, in case you want to know what it looks like, the Bible says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit. That's what we're talking about, bearing fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I want that. I know I'm not going to find that in what the world says is, is their definition of success. I know it comes from God first and God only. And I want to be that tree planted by streams of his living water, taking it in so my leaves will not wither and I will prosper. If, I, you know, if you want to succeed in life, according to God, you must meditate on his words. Store them in your mind, memorize them, and you will not wither, rather you will succeed and prosper. And I love making the message practical. I want to make it practical today. I know we have so much time, and, and I, I still, I, every morning, I, I will read my word, I read my devotional, and I do a lot of reading throughout the day. I mean, more than I want, I, that I need to and have to, basically. But I will not skip this. I will not skip God, this word of God. So I would like to make the message practical. So we're going to, I want to talk, just finish off by the real benefits of why we want to meditate and memorize the word of God. And this is my favorite part, this one. It changes your perspective, motivating you to reorder your priorities in life. When you memorize and meditate on the word of God, it will render, reorder your priorities. God's word puts life into its right eternal perspective. Boy, do we need that. The Bible says we must, must know that. Psalm 39, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. See, a lot of us, we ignore eternity because we're just focused on now and we need to put our life in perspective. So remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of your hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us have, each of us is but a breath. And I live in a world, I think you live in the same world I do, keeps trying to distract you and call you away uh, you know, from, from his short-term enticements. Uh, but when, for example, you begin to memorize verses talking about the brevity of life, the spirit literally will shake you awake from your spiritual slumber saying, listen, 
you got to get your life in perspective. You're focusing so much on this little, this little part and life is so much of this. And God's trying to say, I want you to get your life perspective now. I want you to enjoy this life on earth. I'm giving you this life on earth, but please put in perspective with my word and my plan for you lest you get to the end and, and have the regret. 37 um, years ago this month, <clears throat> uh, Glenn and I were doing devotions in the college chapel and I asked her to marry me. It was October 4th, 1982. And knowing I proposed, proposed to her that evening, I picked a scripture that we would study because I know this one was meaningful to me and I know it would be meaningful to her as well. I picked Second uh, Peter 3, 10 and 11. And it says, um, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Then the elements, the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will deserve to be found in judgment. So since everything will be disappear this way, what kind of lives ought you to live? Godly and Holy. I still remember I didn't write it down as depending on my memory because that means so much to me. Puts my life in perspective. One day the world will, the Bible says it's going to be destroyed and there'll be a new earth. There'll be a new heaven. And since this is our, this is what's going to happen, what kind of lives would you live, Mark and Glenda? Holy and godly lives. Put your life in eternal perspective. No, it's not just here. Know that Jesus could come back before we leave here today. Know that you might meet him on the way home. So here's the thing. It says, the day the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Thieves don't call you up and say, I'm coming tonight. Come into your place tonight. If they did, we'd be ready for them. We'd prepare for them. The day the Lord is coming soon. And the only thing the Bible said that would happen that hasn't happened yet is this, Jesus coming back again. God said in his word, you can, read, you, know, you can read prophecy after prophecy. The Bible said this is going to happen, and it did happen. I could, I could do a whole message on this. Like Jeremiah talks about how Israel will be overrun by the Babylons and taken into captivity 70 years, for 70 years. 50 years later, it happened. Um, God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel saying, the Israelites will, will, be, will be restored back to Israel in the future, and it was. God said he would bring a Messiah born from the line of David. He'd be born in Bethlehem, and he was. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, said he would die and rise again on the third day, and he did. In fact, Jesus fulfilled, somebody counted, over 300 prophecies. 300. This one man fulfilled. The Old Testament saying this is what's going to happen, and Jesus went boom, 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 and fulfilled them all. In fact, mathematicians figured this out. I think this is great. That if a, one person fulfilling just eight prophecies, that's one in, I don't know what that number is, one trillion, billion. One person fulfilling 48 prophecies, one chance in 10 to the 157th power. One person fulfilling 300 prophecies, only Jesus. It's not an accident. The Bible says something is going to happen. The only prophecy that hasn't happened yet is this one. Jesus was, 
rose again, came back to his disciples, people up to 5,000 people saw him at once. And then after saying, he talked to them, he was taken up in a cloud, Jesus was. And while they were watching, the disciples were watching, they could no longer see him. And as it's strange to see him rising to heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And there's so many scriptures that talk about this. Google it. Not just one. I mean, Thessalonians is a huge one. Revelation, he's coming back again. And we'll meet him. And I want to know, are you ready to meet him? We cannot afford to be distracted and disconnected. Whatever's tempting you. And I, I'm, I'm tempted as well. Still tempted. You know, the enemy, if he tempted Jesus, he's not going to lay off on you and me. Get distracted. Get away from what really matters. Once the spirit has opened your spiritual eyes with the right eternal perspective, you will all automatically align your decisions in light of your new perspective. Nothing will motivate you more to align with God's will than that eternal perspective of life. I, I, just, I just can't even imagine the horror of coming to the end, of dying or Jesus coming back and knowing there's no redo, no do-over, that I missed it. So it's important. Secondly, the benefits of memorizing scripture, not just that we have an eternal perspective. Memorizing scripture keeps, memorize eternal. Scriptures that talk about eternity. That's why I memorized that one from Peter because it reminds me all the time, what kind of life should I be living knowing the world's going to be destroyed this way? Number two, it prevents the devil from snatching the word from your heart. When you memorize it, when you meditate on it, he can't snatch it away. It's there. I was talking to um, one of the, one of the I, I, ment- I mentor other pastors in Canada for church renewal, and one of those people, one of those men is a, a missionary in Belize. And he was just over in India and taught some college courses there. And he said, when I was there, some, one of his students was actually thrown in jail for reading the Bible. For reading the Bible. So you can understand, but if you know, if, if we ever, you know, don't have the word of God, if it's ever taken away from us, you can't take it away if it's in here, if you know it, if you memorize it. In the parable of, of Matthew 13, we know about the sower who goes out to sow seed and, and um, he sows seed on different kinds of paths. Um, Jesus says, listen, a farmer went to plant some seeds as he scattered them across his field. Some fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them and snatched them away. And Jesus says that because in the same way, he explained what that meant. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. How is the devil able to snatch away God's word? You hear the word and you don't let it penetrate. You don't study it. You don't seek it in the soul of your heart. And this is what it can look like. And, and, and not, I'm not, uh, definitely not talking to you, um, but it can happen where you drift in and out of church. You listen to messages, but never intentionally do something with what you've heard. I think that's the biggest problem. We listen, we hear, we say, but we don't do. So the, the, the enemy is able to snatch it away and forget what you heard. 
Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. Um, we need to hide it in our heart. That's what memorization and meditating uh, will do. And, and finally, it sharpens your witness and ministry, making you fruitful. If you have the word of God in your heart, if you are memorizing it, and I, I tell you, I, this is so important to me, that those pastors that I'm, I'm mentoring last week, I said, I want you to come back next week and memorize a new passage of scripture. And these are guys smarter than I am. Some have been in ministry longer than I am. They have, they're, and yet they're coming back and sharing these passages they learned. And we're all just going, wow. That is so encouraging that you, I know you're busy, and yet you're taking the time to memorize, meditate on this word, and now you're giving it to us, other pastors. And it's just encouraging what they said, how, what they shared what they thought about, what, and it was all in the, in the eternal perspective. So think about how your witness for Jesus would be sharpened if you memorized scripture. Uh, again, in 1 Peter, it, said, it tells us this. Oh, sorry, it was up there already. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope you have and do it with gentleness and respect. Don't condemn and hit people over the head, but be ready when someone asks you, why do you have the hope that you have? You're ready. You got scripture in here. You're ready to share out of your heart what you've memorized and meditated on. It's, I love how God works, how he brings things together. My devotional last Friday, can I just share a little bit with it, with, with it of what it says? It's just right in line with what we're talking about today. It said, there's no substitute for spiritual preparation Spiritual preparation equips you for unforeseen crises or opportunities. However, if you're unprepared, you'll be vulnerable in life's unexpected events. If you are spiritually prepared when crisis comes, and I would say, if you have, you know, if you have the word of God, you're in the word of God, you know the word of God, you will not have to try to develop instantly the quality of relationship with Christ that can sustain you. We talked about being sustained, right? If you have suddenly have an opportunity to share your faith, we just talked about that, with an unbeliever, you'll be equipped to do so. Why? Because you have the word of God in you. You have memorized it. You meditate on it. You're prepared. If you enter a time of worship, spiritually prepared, you will not miss an encounter with God. I wouldn't want to miss an encounter with God. If you are spiritually filled when you meet a person in sorrow, you'll, you'll have much to offer. If you establish safeguards in your life in advance, you will not give in to temptation. Christians lose many opportunities to experience God's activity because they have not devoted enough time to a relationship with God. If you have not yet developed the habit of daily prayer and Bible study, why not begin now so that you will be equipped for whatever life brings? That was from Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby's day-to-day devotional. Wow. I can't tell you how many days um, that I regret missing um, not being prepared because I didn't spend my time um, actively seeking his word and knowing it and studying it and praying and listening to him. And the world still comes and says every morning, you got too much to do. You have too much to do. You have too much to do. And I can't say no. I cannot afford to even step out without first spending time with God. Because he knows what I'm going to face that day. He knows who I'm going to meet. 
He knows the trials. He knows the victories. I want to be prepared. Do you want to be prepared? He's coming back soon. Let's pray. Father, I, I, let me just confess. Let me just pray. God, I know the temptation to talk up the Christian life and, and not spend time with you in your word and in prayer. And there have been many days in my past where I've regretted that, where I would have been better prepared to witness, to overcome temptation, to sustain if I had of. And I just want to pass on to my friends today, for those here today who know you, who want the life that you want to give them, that abundant eternal life, but they they have cause not to spend that time with you. Lord, would you remind them the importance today, maybe you have already, that our life, this is just a dot and we have an eternity waiting before us. That there may be someone who needs comfort or, or needs to understand the hope we have. There are so many people looking for what is real. And I pray, God, they would see that real in us, that is Jesus Christ. Father, I know this week, I know today and starting tomorrow, even though we say, yes, I want to meet with you and I want to read and I want to study, that we're going to be tempted not to. The enemy will want to come and snatch that away. God, will you lovingly, as a loving father, remind us how much you want to speak into our life and that we would want to receive it in Jesus' name. Be connected to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.